Nothing I enjoy more on the country than a good argument, so I've booked him with an argument with the PR man from the New Zealand Forest Owners Association. It's his job to protect the industry, which does a great job for us, our third biggest export income earner. But Don, I'll tell you what, Don Carson, I've had a guts full of uh, carbon farmers coming in and buying up good sheep and beef country. What do you say in your defence? <laughs> I don't know if you're a chief advocate there or uh, actually setting the tone in an inappropriate way. Yeah, OK, let's, let's join in the game. Uh, the assumption there, Jamie, is that anybody, overseas investor or somebody selling off their farm uh, to somebody who puts in trees and the sole motivation is for carbon farming or getting carbon credits, when the reality of the thing is that if you have a look at beef and lamb's own fingers, uh, then there's not much difference between the eventual income that they will get out of a rotation of trees and continuing to farm sheep and beef. So that's an average figure. And assuming that that is correct, and I'm not going to dispute it, uh, they put them slightly ahead. I would think they're slightly behind, but let's not argue about that. The real issue is that this is an average number and there will be many bits of land where it makes a great deal more sense to put in trees to get the wood out of them in a harvest in 30 ideas time. Oh yeah, but Don, I, I've got to stop all this dribble because look, let's be honest, the companies like IKEA aren't coming into New Zealand to get into the production forestry business. I don't buy that for a moment. Yes, that's a nice off-the-side income, but it's all about the carbon credits and offsetting their polluting ways offshore. Yeah, look, look, Jamie, I, I don't discount the fact that there is a carbon interest when somebody invests in New Zealand and they get the carbon credits and they tell their stakeholders back home that they're doing something positive for the environment by decreasing the volume of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, a critical thing that stakeholders, if they're ethical investors, as they like to think they are, uh, then they would see that as important. But the driver on that one is a combination of these things, and you can isolate the wood returns and still... Yeah, I know, yeah. but if it wasn't for the carbon credits, they wouldn't be doing it. Look, why is it that only New Zealand and Kazakhstan are the only countries that allow 100% forestry offsetting for their uh, carbon pricing uh, mechanisms. I mean, even, yeah, well, Kaz even Kazakhstan's doing a better job of it than us. <laughs> yeah, some, somewhere along the way, things are not working clearly. If you actually, as I did, had a look at the Ministry for the Environment figures on the greenhouse gas inventory, which they do every year, there's a bit of a lag time, but the long-term trend is quite clear. Over the past decade, our emissions, whether they are agriculture or industry, have flatlined. They haven't decreased. Uh, there's been a bit of a dip last year simply because of a decline in dairy cow and sheep numbers. But the industrial emissions have flatlined. Whatever there is is not working. And very few countries around the world, be they Kazakhstan or anybody else working a different system, has not managed to achieve this. And, and if you actually then said, uh, Mr. De Mr. Farmer, um, you've got an option here. Uh, you can have no carbon price. Uh, and therefore you carve yourself out of your farm woodlot carbon income, which uh, beef and lamb are very keen to retain and expand, and I agree with the technology is available to manage to do that in very small areas, smaller than at the moment. But if you say to that farmer, we will then, to make sure that there is a decline in industrial gases, greenhouse gases, charge you more for your diesel. 
and put an impost on the fuel tax. And instead, the government actually threw a subsidy at, at fuel use that had the opposite effect. So why are we allowing 100% offsetting when uh, countries like... Uh, let, let's just let me throw a couple at you. Uh, the European Union and the UK do not allow carbon offsetting at all in their ETS. China, South Korea, uh, some states in the United States are below 5%. Mexico, Taiwan, along with Canada... Yep. 10%, uh, Japan 33%, and here we are along with Kazakhstan sitting at 100%. We are absolutely sending the wrong market signals. Yes, and uh, the irony that the beef and lamb press release talked about an increasing price of carbon at the very time the price of carbon went down because of the Climate Change Commission's recommendations. So it's a fluctuating market. And look, have a look at the reality. Go back to my point then. Would you rather that a government imposed some sort of penalties on the extraction uh, of greenhouse gases and putting them into the atmosphere or decided that the income would go instead into offsetting by putting it into, into, into trees. Don't forget, Jamie, that most of our industrial emissions, half of that uh, is offset by the carbon stored in trees every year. It's a hugely effective tool in pulling those emissions down. And we, shouldn't lose, we should not lose sight of that. We should put that front and centre. What is the carbon market doing? It's offsetting. Is it reducing those emissions? No, it should. There is something wrong with that mechanism until such time that it does. And you could argue that the price of carbon is not high enough, not the obvious opposite, but not high enough, to pull those emissions down. Don, I'm out of time. Next thing you'll be telling me, there isn't a forestry slash issue on the east coast of the North Island. <laughs> Indeed, and there isn't. Uh, if you have a look at those objective figures that Interpine Rotorua based, away from all of the television cameras when Cyclone Gabriel came along, and they've done some measurements. All right, could give me your number, yep. Don. The, the, the number around it, case study, Wairua, 36% of that woody material was poplars and pines. And farmers had done the right thing. They'd planted out their river banks, trying to hold the banks together. The force of Gabriel was so enormous that more than a third of that stuff was poplars and willows. Slash forestry, slash 2%. Not what was reported at the time, but that's the objective reality. The force of that storm was overwhelming everything. But forestry, All right. forest harvesting was the one that was targeted. Got to go. I think your old mate Dennis Nielsen might have done the measurement at 2%. But anyhow, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. You live to fight another day. Always good to have oh, your time I on the country. I will try to, JB. Cheers.